In May 2019, Oshin Osborne was shot dead by police in his own home in Hamburg. He was standing at the top of the stairs, semi-naked. The only weapon he had, his family maintain, was a kitchen spatula. He'd become a father ten days previously, and his wife was in the bedroom with their newborn son. Since then, his parents have tried to find answers as to why the German police used such deadly force. The clearly psychotic young Irishman had been shot six times. In Germany, police officers investigate themselves. Are police trained enough? Many people would say, no, they're not sensitive. Derek Scally is an Irish Times journalist based in Berlin. He has followed the case since that May morning as Oshin's parents fight for justice for their son. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, why was Oshin Osborne shot dead? Derek, can you tell me what happened in a suburban house in Hamburg on May 22nd, 2019? Shortly before 10 a.m., um, police in Hamburg got a phone call uh, from a woman who said, um, my husband is in a terrible state and um, he's brought knives into the bedroom. As soon as they heard that, the emergency services passed it on to the police and uh, two patrol cars pulled up outside the house in a South Hamburg suburb. I've been at the house. It's a red brick, semi-detached house, a very quiet street, apple trees, Bobby cars, scooters lying around, you know, suburbia as you imagine it. But these two police cars pulled up. Um, they tried to enter the house. Um, they couldn't get a response. They identified themselves as police officers and they kicked open the patio door and entered the house. Uh, the house they found was in an extremely chaotic state. They searched the basement. Um, then they heard movement upstairs. They identified themselves as police again. And they saw something on the table that looked like um, cartridges, gun cartridges. And then they proceeded to go upstairs and they shouted, stop. Um, they pushed their way up the staircase, which is a very narrow passage staircase. Um, and at the top of the stairs, they encountered Oshin Osborne, a 34-year-old man um, in a very um, agitated state. And he was shot six times and he died at the scene. And who was Oshin Osborne? Oshin Osborne seems to be very much a, a European um, English father, Irish mother um, from Abbey Leaks. David and Catherine were his parents. Um, he grew up somewhere between, they say, between France and Spain, but he was very much of a European mindset. He liked to um, sing Irish ballads. He liked to um, travel. He was very much a sportsman, kayaking, sailing, everything to do with the outside the, the great outdoors. Um, he was also an engineer and that's why he was in Hamburg. He was working with Airbus. And 10 days before uh, this all happened, his wife, Nicole, had given birth to her son. So she was in the bedroom with their newborn, uh, Martin, and all this is happening outside the door. Um, and yeah, he had been a father for 10 days when his life ended. So, look, obviously we don't know what goes on in people's minds um, or indeed their houses, but had there been any indication to his co-workers or wider family that Oshin was in any way unstable? 
No, I've been speaking to several people about this. Just spoke to his um, his parents, actually, and they said there was no record. Um, there was no trace of drugs or any other substances in his blood. Um, he just seems to have been somebody who had a, a severe psychotic attack um, 10 days before his wife had given birth. It was a very difficult birth, um, by all accounts, from Nicole and from others. It was a very difficult time in the hospital. The child had an infection. Um, Ushin actually had a severe allergic reaction to some hand disinfectant in the hospital. Apparently the there was lots of conflict in the hospital. He seems to have been quite nervous about the situation. He brought them home and it was at home that things seemed to deteriorate further. Um, Nicole told me when I visited her that he was going around the house sort of talking to himself, covering up mirrors, saying, I will protect you. And um, and in the day beforehand, he was bringing stuff up from the kitchen and from other parts of the house up into the bedroom as if sort of creating a sort of a fort situation. So he just seems to have been somebody who was just having a mental breakdown and I think the family and everyone are saying when you have somebody like that in those situations those bursting into a house and he was terrified of somebody coming in and doing something to his family that seems to have been where he was mentally and exactly that happened so you have somebody in that situation and then what their mind is telling them could happen happens the question is is that how we respond to situations like this in 2023 so do we know what Nicole said to the emergency service? Obviously, this had been building up a sort of a, a medical crisis, a mental health medical crisis in the days preceding what happened. Do we, do we know what she said to the police uh, that, that morning? We don't know, I don't know services. verbatim what she says, but the trigger word seems to have been knife. When you hear knife, um, that goes, that is immediately ramped up. And within minutes, these two police teams were there. Um, and then there seems to have been a, a series of either misunderstandings or miscommunications. So the first was knife. The second was seeing uh, cartridges uh, on the table. And which were they were, cartridges? No, 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 I think there were uh, um, uh, fire um, uh a cigarette light or something along those lines. So that was another assumption. Um, but really the key issue is what happened at the top of that stairs. We had several police crowded into, as I said, a narrow passage. They had machine guns, they had ballistic shields, they had protective gear. This man appears at the top of the stairs, uh, which they immediately prepper spray. He is wearing a saucepan on his head. He is naked, apart from some sort of a, a loincloth. And he has something tucked into the knot where it's knotted. And in, in evidence, police were saying uh, it, they feared it was a knife. It turned out to be a spatula. And um, But the key issue, uh, what happened in those seconds? And obviously, from a police perspective, you're coming up a dark passage. Somebody emerges, somebody pepper sprays them. They said in their evidence there was no reaction. He did not react to that. He, continued, he didn't react to the pepper spray. He continued coming for them. At some point, um, they said there's a weapon. Many of the police officers fled back down the stairs. Uh, one police officer fired a shot. It seems to have entered. So did one police officer stay up, stay in the stairs? Two stairwell? police officers immediately, uh, at the, uh, initially. One fired a shot into his, uh, into his armpit area, which went into his spine. And he fled. And then another officer remained. And this officer on his own with Oshin fired five shots. And the question is, were those, after the first shot, were those five shots necessary? Um, and there have been conflicting um, forensic investigations. The forensic investigation went on for almost three years. Um, and the family's lawyers have pointed to 
some of the forensic investigation or some of the uh, ballistic reports which indicate that some of the shots were fired from behind. They entered his head from behind, that he, they did not appear to be shot at a level from one person to another in an upright position, but at least two of the shots, if not three, could have been fired from behind or from above and behind. Um, he was found in a prone position, sort of in a baby-like position, curled up on the floor, and a knife was found under him, but nobody seems to have seen a knife at the time. There was a spatula involved. So there are just lots and lots of unanswered questions, but there won't be any court case because the police investigation found um, this was a confusion. It's hard to tell who did what when, um, but they said self-defense. They just used self-defense. The police um, officers have given evidence. Um, the police officers who weren't directly involved have given evidence about what they saw. The two police officers who fired have not um, testified, which is their right. Um, and um, the question then is what actually happened, but both the prosecutor and a general, a superior prosecutor, both looked at the case and they said it's unlikely that this would lead to a conviction because the self-defense card has been played. Therefore, um, we're not proceeding with the case. So the family say this hasn't gone to court. There are so many unanswered questions, but because we're dealing with police officers, uh, it's a closed shop. The system has closed down and, and they feel they have nowhere to go. Now, you live in Germany, obviously. Um, how do Germans view the police response specifically to domestic incidents? There is a real concern in general about police violence um, in Germany. Police in Germany are armed. Um, it's a very difficult job. I think we have to always put in in context before we talk about police violence, the nature of police work is dangerous. They're going into dangerous situations. They have to make quick decisions and self-defense is an issue. And police officers, of course, are people. They're innocent until proven guilty. So nobody is saying that these people are guilty of anything. What the family are saying is we haven't had a chance to go through all the evidence in a court setting, which we believe is our right, our human right to have an independent investigation. In Germany, the, the, the main problem seems to be, are they sensitive? Are police in Germany sensitized or given enough training in domestic situations, domestic violence situations, or in general mental health situations? Do you go in banging, shooting um, in a situation where somebody is in a clearly in a distressed state, they're naked, stripped to the waist with a saucepan on their head? So that seems to be an issue. The second issue is also um, police investigating police. Many countries have a separate body that will investigate police. In Germany, police officers investigate themselves. They interview their colleagues. They collect the information, which is then passed on to the state prosecutor. That's the first problem. The second problem is state prosecutors are largely dependent on police for their own careers. Do they have an interest in annoying the police by asking too many questions? The family would say no. But if you're a state prosecutor, you keep your head down and you try and do the least amount to just get this off your desk again. Um, and so there's structural flaws there. So we're dealing with, yeah, are police trained enough? Many people would say no, they're not sensitive enough. They come in with their guns, they come in with their protective gear, and yet they're still shooting some six times. So, and then there's the structural flaws that Germany is not interested in investigating itself and that there are serious statistics that police violence, um, violent violent attacks by police are supposed, the new survey said they're actually five times higher than the official numbers and many people just don't even bother reporting this because they feel that the system is stacked against them. But surely 
with those sort of figures, there must be some political pressure to reform the police, to change how the way the police investigates themselves if something goes wrong. Surely, there, you know, pe- people can't be accepting this. Um, I think living in Germany for over 20 years, I'm often surprised by the mental approach people have to police, that Germany is sort of a more hierarchical society. I mean, obviously, police in any country are figures of authority and they're there to be respected. Um, But um, I've often been surprised at how people sort of... um, they sort of this almost a paternalistic approach that they know best, and actually this hasn't been an issue. This case is not a big story. Um, I've written about it several times, but there are almost so many of these cases that it's not even worth reporting on. There was a story in August 2022: an asylum seeker had a knife in Dortmund, in Western Germany. He had a knife. He was threatening people, but he was shot five times by a police officer with a machine gun. The idea. Is that necessary? Um, is this fair? Is the threat, um, the threat, the real threat posed um, commensurate with the action taken? In Ushin's case, there was no, the, the family say, look, these were police officers in protective gear with ballistic shields and machine guns. One shot, perhaps six shots. What about that? And all they want to know is why does everyone, the police, the prosecutors, they make assumptions that what the police say is the case and anything that is um, unclear, they say, well, that can't be cleared up. And the uh, family's lawyers are saying, well, there are unanswered questions and there are ambiguities, so let's have a trial and let's pursue this to the end. But they have played the self-defense card and, yeah, the family say, well, of course, police know exactly what they need to say to get the self-defense defense in and to have a state prosecutor drop the case. Can we talk about the immediate aftermath of May 22nd, 2019? So, you know, y- you say it, it wasn't in the news. It, it, didn't make, it wasn't a big news item. It, that, to me, is quite shocking. Um, I think, yes. I mean, guns are more a part of German life than in Ireland. Um, well, you could say there was a time in Ireland where guns were not a part of Irish life entirely. And we see with organized crime how that has changed. Um, but police with guns are not an issue in, in Germany the way they would be here. And yes, there are investigations when a shot is fired. But because it's police investigating police, um, a cynic, of which I am not, a cynic might say, um, poli- colleagues investigating colleagues were, were in whatever context is never a good idea. Um, But no, I mean, initially there was sort of a framing of the story. The little coverage it got was that this was a man who was bursting into his family home or former family home, estranged, domestic violence, trying to steal his baby. That was sort of uh, a framing. I got that early when I was talking to people. And And where did that come from? Do you know? Well, I think it just came from assumptions. Um, And the family say that they were dealing with um, uh, Airbus, their their late son's employer. And Airbus was told that this was a criminal family. Um, so the family say, where did this all come from? And also so many questions, but they say Hamburg really is a closed shop. It's a city of four million. There's no, there's no high court that they can go to. There's no watchdog. Um, it's, it's, um, they're just very shocked. They said, you know, these people in Hamburg are gods. We can't approach them. And they always thought Germany was a country of, you know, modern, open country. The rule of law applies. But when it comes to this, everyone, um, nobody seems to want to question authority. So 
something shocking like this happens, you'd expect maybe civil liberty groups to come out and say, you know, this is shocking. This is a disproportionate response by the police to an event, mental health groups to come out. Was there any of that response? We have had some concerns from Amnesty International. They've pointed out at the very least you're entitled to an independent investigation. That is a human right um, it, when acts of violence perpetrated by per, potentially perpetrated by state authorities. But no, it has all continued on. I mean, I've just because he was a, a dual when he was born, he was a dual um, British Irish citizen. And um, although he didn't, he spent lots of time here during holidays. As far as I know, he never lived here. But um, this this is very very much at odds with what we as Irish people think should be happening and we're in a European Union is this acceptable that an Irish citizen um, his life ended 10 days after he became a father in a hail of bullets five of the bullets fired by one police officer with nobody else there to say what actually happened um, and a knife that mysteriously appeared under the body um, afterwards uh, the, the family say after they were told they were not informed by any of uh, the police authorities or anyone in Hamburg of what happened it was somebody from the family and they got consular assistance from the Irish embassy in Berlin and uh, a guard who came over from The Hague but they say they've been treated extraordinarily callously by Hamburg they say there's sort of an arrogance there that they now either they are right or they have to prove they're right or they don't even have to prove that they're right so they've just say as on a human level well obviously on the human level their son they feel has been treated abominably he was killed but also them as as family members there was no even sensitivity to their situation so they feel very much alone they feel and they're very grateful to the support they got at the time from from the Irish embassy but since then really just left alone with so many questions and some people would say well why can't you move on? But anyone who's been in a situation will say, when you have so many questions and so much anger, um, how can you move on? And if you feel that the system is not interested in investigating itself, um, it's very difficult to move on. So they're exhausting. They've they've moved to a final stage in Germany where they're trying to force um, the uh, courts to look at this. But again, you're really much. It's a, it's an uphill battle statistically. Quite a low number of cases can be forced onto the court calendar. And But once that, that is the last stage, once that's exhausted, they then want to go to the European Court of Human Rights. Um, and they're hoping that, you know, the wider issue of what do German police do? Um, do they feel they can act with impunity um, and so on? That they hope this will help um, attract attention and this will become part of, of a bigger movement. So, Derek, there was an investigation. The police... It was a shooting. The police investigated what happened. They would have had their investigators in. There would have been a post-mortem and they would have issued a report. Were there any specific findings in that report that the family felt confident in challenging? They're in the final stages now of their um of their push for justice in Germany uh, and in that they can only really there were there were many issues but at the moment the main issue they're focusing on six shots a warning shot maybe five other shots why um, there are many other questions about in what position was he shot um, you know nobody is saying it but the obvious question is did this police officer just lose control um, who who can withstand six shots how can this be self-defense um, uh, there's there was a they're basically challenging and um, the six shots there's also challenging the assumption that the police have presented which self-defense um, they say it was a, a crowded place it was chaotic it was difficult to get out everyone except um, the two 
two gun, the police officers who shot got out. One of them who shot also got out. The idea that they were trapped in a situation and they couldn't do anything except keep shooting is an assumption. Um, so apart from the forensic, apart from the assumptions, the main focus is um, that they're focusing on now is why in 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 what world is six shots self-defense against an unarmed uh, a man who's who's armed with a spatula? Oshin obviously wasn't German. He'd obviously moved there. Uh, was his wife German, Nicole? Um, no, she's not German. And that's, I think, another issue that this idea that um, sort of an expat couple living there um, and really they had no network to call on. Um, and I think... Yeah, the loneliness that they feel. And Nicole is a teacher working in Hamburg, but she's raising a son who doesn't remember her fa- his father. And, you know, he runs up to other men at parties, she says, and says, Papa. So it's very difficult for her. Um, and of course, it's placed tremendous strain on their family as well. She's living in Hamburg um, uh, and uh, Oshin's parents are living down on the French-Spanish border. In Germany, 55% of criminal investigations um, do not proceed to trial. So one in two, more than one in two cases. Um, but if, you're suspect, if the suspect is a police officer, 97.7 cases do not go to trial. Um, so I think less than around 2% of criminal investigations involving police, 2% go to trial. If you're a normal member of public, 45%. And of those 2% involving police officers go to trial, less than 1% end in a conviction. Again, it reflects the nature of police work, I think, in one sense. On the other sense, you could suggest if you're a police officer and you have a gun, you can pretty much do anything you want. So this has fallen to Oshin's parents to try to, to try to get answers. Precisely, and talking to people like me um, and the Irish Times and just raising awareness of the wider issue, but also raising the issue, if this happened to them, it can happen to anyone. Um, we're not, it's... Anyone is familiar with dealing with state authorities. They have the power. Uh, how do you challenge them? What they're shocked is is just how little um, how little assistance is available to them. How much alone they are with this. And of course, they're dealing with Germany. They're dealing with the German language. Um, they're in another country. They have lawyers and friends who are helping them. But there are there is otherwise no assistance for them. And I think that is a warning to all of us. We all have lots of things going on in our lives, but. In a European Union, you would like to think that if something like this happened to me in Berlin, that my parents would not be left alone with something like this. And um, yeah, do we have a rule of law? Are police above the law? Why does Germany not have authorities for investigating police? Do they really think police can investigate police? And politically, it's a real hot potato. Most politicians are afraid to go there um, because as soon as there's quite a strong police lobby, and as soon as you suggest that there might be among all of the many, many, many police doing good things, if you might say that there is a police who do bad things or police who make bad decisions if you even suggest that they might be protected by the system howls of protest whereas um, human rights groups amnesty and so on they say of course most the vast vast majority of police do good work surely it's in their interest that when things go wrong that that is investigated that is lifted out because otherwise this uh, cloud of suspicion hangs over all of them doing the good work but we haven't quite got to that mentality point in Germany I, I'm not sure perhaps in, in other countries this is very much a core feeling that the police are they, they all back each other up. It just creates an atmosphere of suspicion, um, which most police officers haven't earned. They do honest work. They do good work. But a police officer with a half-naked um, man on an al- a landing in a, in a 
Hamburg house is shot five times by him and once by a colleague, and we still don't know really why. Thanks very much, Derek. Thank you very much. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including worldwide coverage from our foreign correspondents, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back soon.